0: Alright, bonus episode time. Uh, welcome on RDT from Barstool. Not just RDT from Barstool, but the free agent assassin of the Dozen Trivia Tournament. Well, not tournament, but league. So, RDT, um, I, we're here to talk baseball, but how's it been kind of uh, getting to flex the knowledge muscles on the
1: Dozen? I'm a huge Dozen fan. I've, I've never really been a trivia fan, like gone to trivia a couple times but like i have friends who go every week and i've never been that guy but obviously during the pandemic you know we're looking for something to watch and i got hooked on the dozen immediately and i'm like oh i know these questions i know that you know i can do this and um so you know being a fill in the last two weeks um two weeks ago on the misfits with hank and kelly keegs um it was a good time it was a rough sh- not a rough showing we lost by one um i could have sent us to overtime and i, I thought i had it and I, I bricked it and then I think I redeemed myself this week with uh, with a solid performance and I, I think it's one of the best matches of maybe not the, the entire if not the whole season the entire show I thought it was one of the best matches that that we've ever had 13-12 uh, just a back and forth with the four play guys it was a lot of fun overtime battle it was it was a good I, I felt very happy with my showing after that one so it's it's been a it's been fun I'm Again, my phone is ringing. I've got offers coming in. I'm sending it to my <laughs> agent, and you know we're gonna we're gonna look to see what's best for me and my family, and we're gonna go from there.
0: Are you uh, gonna make sure that whatever team you're on, there's a no trade clause, so that way you can have some
1: consistency? I mean, hey, if if someone wants me, I you know, I I, I I'm I got no problem with no no trade clause. You know, if someone, <laughs> I just want to go where I'm wanted. You know, and I want to I, I want to go to a good team, and you know, fair I enough. I think I can bring a lot to a team, so.
0: Fair enough. So the the only other question I have for the dozen based on your experiences, what would you say is the hardest category that they that they pull out?
1: Ooh, any I'm not a big movie guy or TV really. So any of those I'm kind of worthless. Like celebrities I know a decent amount. I think music I'm pretty good in. Any of the sports I feel pretty confident. Um TVs or movies I'm kind of just I'm just along for the ride. So I, I, anything but those really. Um I feel pretty, pretty confident. In. Awesome. Well, we are here because
0: the MLB season is upon us finally after an off season of probably unnecessary drama, but <laughs> it happened. So the first question I'm going to lead off with this is a curiosity question. Why do the East coast teams ever try to host home series this early in the season? They always seem to get rained out. Just go like, for the ALEs, like, send a team to Tampa, send a team to Toronto, and then send the fifth team to, like, Texas. Like, why don't we do that?
1: Yeah, it's it's brutal, um, and it seems to be happening more and more. Um, obviously, I mean, I remember in 2003 when Camden Yards had the – they had a snow squall out of nowhere, you know, on opening day, and it, it was unbelievable. Um, but, I mean, even – and it just – it snowed last year in Detroit. We've seen, like, record cold temperatures in Minnesota on opening day, and obviously it's like – yeah, Minnesota in March at the end of March it's still cold. Like it's it's very cold up there. Um sorry, excuse me. Boston always seems to either have some sort of rain or or freezing temperatures stuff like that. I know you you know the Yankees same thing today. The Nats are they got pushed back again tonight. Um I don't know what time they're starting tonight, but I'm with you. I mean, they either got to figure something out or like you know, yeah, like you said, make sure one team plays in Toronto, one team plays in Tampa with a dome and kind of send the other people elsewhere because and that is why they build in, you know, if they do an opening day on Thursday, that's why you have a day off on Friday just for that rain out. Um, so I mean, I remember a couple of years ago the Orioles had the two rain delays. I think the game's like games like it it was it, like it went from like I think like three o'clock to almost like eight or nine o'clock at night. So it's it's pretty brutal because like you said, I mean the weather it doesn't cooperate this time of year. And, and it's, you know, I don't know if they got to figure something out, but I mean, the rainouts early in the season, they, they really, they really stink. They really put a damper on uh, your opening day. If you're looking forward to watching your team.
0: Yeah. And I mean, I'm taking a look at the schedule right now. And the only, the only city that I find myself going like, Ooh, that's risky is Chicago hosting an opening series. And mostly because they're playing Milwaukee and I know Milwaukee's in the dome. So just go up to Wisconsin guys. Like, I know it's technically colder in Wisconsin, but, you know, Still at least there time. you're you're indoors. So, like, every other place that, like, the games that haven't started yet, Atlanta, Los Angeles, uh, Arizona, all of those seems like, like, the perfect kind of places that you'd want to have a whole lot of early season games at. And then come, like, the dead of August, you kind of want to get away, especially if you're Arizona.
1: So yeah. it's it's a weird thing again mlb can never figure they can't figure half the stuff out so i wouldn't expect them to figure this out anytime soon you know
0: so with with that said like we did have the lockout and everything is this like a failure of like leadership on the mlb side was it like the players really locking in on something like what was the crux of everything that kind of caused this to happen
1: I, i think a majority of it is on the owners and on rob manfred um I know Manfred, it was a pinata this offseason season. And, and I mean, rightfully so the players, you know, are some to blame too, because obviously they're being given a deal and they're, they're turning it down, whether it's fair to them or not, you know, that's not for us to say, it's not, it's not our jobs. It's not our money. Um, the thing though, that I think that really puts the blame and everything on the owners and Manfred's shoulders is the fact that the lockout happened December 1st. They didn't even start talking like the players wanted to start talking immediately. Like, Hey, let's get this figured out now. So in January and February, when we're supposed to be in spring training, we're not sitting at a desk in a hotel, you know, trying to make this happen. So that's the big thing. And the players were very open about being like, Hey, we haven't heard back from them. We're trying to meet with them. We're trying to figure this out. And meanwhile, I get it. If you want to, if you don't want to talk between Christmas and new year's that, you know, the entire world shuts down, you know, work world shuts down that time anyway. But like, If you're the players and you're like January 1st, 1201 lockout and you're calling the owners being like, Hey, let's, let's start getting this figured out. And the owners are like, nah, it's all right. We'll figure it out later. I mean, that's all on them. That's like, it it takes two to tango with an agreement like this. So I'm, that's why I really put it on them, um, the owners. And there was that whole story too, where like, they said the owners would have never accepted a counter offer from the players because they didn't want it to seem like the players were bossing them around. Even if it was very pro owner, the player side offering anything to the, the owners, it it would make them, it would make the owners look like they lost power in their minds, which is insane. It's like a deal is a deal. You know, however you cut it. Yeah. Um, You're, you're still billionaires and they're still millionaires. Exactly. And, and so I, I, that, that's a lot of the stuff that pissed a lot of people off with, you know, especially the owners. Um, so it, it was ugly. I'm happy they got something figured out because again, they were baseball's lost a lot of fans the last couple of years. They were they were well on their way to losing a, you know a, another decent chunk.
0: Yeah. So let's get to what is probably at the center of both of our hearts at this point. I I'm sure you paid a lot more attention during uh, spring training than I did because for me this is lacrosse season now as well as March Madness. Mm-hmm. But we are Orioles fans. We are sometimes Orioles suffers of just you know the the franchise as is how things look in spring training was was there anyone who kind of made the the early season roster that was either a surprise or was there anyone who didn't make it that was a surprise so like where where are we looking at with Baltimore right now
1: so they finished I think it was eight eight and two in spring training they canceled their last game versus the Tigers both teams didn't have enough pitchers didn't want to push anyone so they you know that was two days ago. So it's like, why get anyone hurt before the opening day? Makes sense. Um, but again, I mean, 8-8-2, eight, eight, and two, I think they played good baseball. It's really hard to take wins and losses away from, you know, you, you just don't count wins and losses in, um, in spring training. Um, again, I'm more looking for, like, player performance, guys who are really on the bubble who need to perform. Um, and some of those, like Usnail Diaz, a guy who came over in 2018, I think, at the Manny Machado trade. I mean, he was one of the top prospects in baseball when he came over and he's done absolutely nothing since then. He's he's a, he's the king of the soft tissue injury with hamstrings and groins and, and you know, calf, everything like that. He tore it up in spring training. He hit the ball really well, played some good defense. Um, he, about two weeks ago, he got sent down to AAA and people were upset because they're like, you know, what are you doing now? He's playing well and and you sent him down to AAA. And the thing was that the Orioles sent him down, so he could get at bats every day um, in in the spring training in AAA camp, break camp with Norfolk Tides in AAA, and then again he's going to get every at bat he can. If he was up with the Orioles, he'd be a fourth or fifth guy off the the bench for the outfield. So in you know the the AAA season started two days ago. He hit two home runs today. He's been he's threw a guy out at home plate last night. He's hitting the ball really really well during the regular season now. So it's only a matter of time before we finally see him up, barring any you know groin injury quad hamstring whatever you want to say um so he's one of the he is probably the guy that not just surprised not just me but a lot of other people because i i've written him off i was kind of like well you know it's 2022 we, we've had him for three and a half four years he hasn't done anything he's he's kind of yesterday's news so to see him play the way he has is, is really really good and i and i i hope he stays healthy um and can, can be one of the guys, again, that, that we see. I think we'll see him in a couple of weeks, again, as long as he stays healthy. So he, should be, he could be a nice little shot of energy for the team. So give
0: me a quick confidence rating, scale of 1 to 10. I've got in front of me the Orioles predicted season total, 62 and a half wins. I, you and I probably trying to be optimists. What is your confidence that the Orioles hit their team total wins or the, the over of it this season? Because you can't have a half a win.
1: I said, I think it was last week, um, just a quick little right off the top of my head. I said 65 wins. Um, again, it doesn't sound, it's not a lot. It, it doesn't sound like a lot. It shouldn't be a lot. Um, I mean, the over uh, is the think, over. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, and when it's that low, you know, you kind of luck out. But yeah, I think they can get to 65. Um, they're going to ha- or at least over 62 and a half. I think they're going to get, you're going to see a lot of the young talent come up. Um, you're going to see Adley Rutschman eventually when he's healed from that triceps injury. You're going to see Grayson Rodriguez. One of the he's the top pitching prospect in baseball. He's the number six overall uh, prospect in baseball. You're going to see DL Hall, who's the top five lefty um, pitching prospect in baseball. You're going to see him. There's a lot of young guys who you know we've seen at Bowie and Norfolk who are going to come up and again inject life into this team. Um, the the thing that's really stacked against them is the division. I mean, I could see any of the four teams winning the division. I think the Blue Jays are going to go to the World Series. Um, I said that this morning. I think they're a very good team. They could win 100 games. The Yankees could easily win 100 games. The Rays, it seems like they they do nothing. They trade away their best pra- players for prospects every year and still, like, sleepwalk to 95 wins and, you know, an ALCS berth. Um,
0: how does that mean, happen, what? though? Because, I, like, I was going to ask a question about the division, and you kind of already dove into it. So, I guess now with, with Tampa, I, my question is, like, how does this happen? Like, Boston, New York, you think – All right, they might shell out some money.
1: Toronto, Mm -hmm. kind of the same question, but they're just not as consistent as Tampa. So how do they do this? They just, it's their analytical department, and it's been since they had Joe Madden a couple years ago. Their analytics department is so far ahead of everyone because they've been doing it for so long. The Orioles really just started doing this in 2019. They've been doing it for like 10 or 15 years. So they, I mean the way they grade players in the draft and free agents and how much they're, you know, paying them and stuff like that. They're just so far ahead of everyone. And like, I tell people, they're like the Pittsburgh Steelers drafting wide receivers. They could turn anyone into like, Oh, that guy's a, that guy's an awesome, you know, he's a pro bowler. That guy's awesome. They do that with pitchers. Like it's like, I mean, it is their job, but they do it like it's their job. They get these guys who you have no idea who they are next thing you know, they're one of the top pitching prospects in baseball. They get another guy with Shane and Shane Baz, who is that guy. He's like the number two He's the number two righty, um, pitching prospect right behind Grayson. He's a stud. We're going to see him in a couple of weeks. Um, I don't know how they do it. And it's like, they don't really spend a lot of money on, on free. They, they, they don't do the big contracts with outside people. They give, they reward their guys, their young guys, they sign their young guys to contracts a year or two after they come up. Um, four years, 30 million, something like that to keep them satisfied. And then they end up trading that guy a couple of years when they're still in their prime for a handful of other prospects who, again, are some of the best in baseball. So whatever system they have down, they got it. I mean, they, they, they know what they're doing. And again, it's like, man, if they start spending money, like the Dodgers are another team who draft very well and they spend a ton of money. They, they you know, look at their payroll right now. They spend an insane amount of money if the Rays ever found out that you're allowed to spend money and draft well, it could be very, very bad. Like they, they, I mean, they would be the Dodgers of the East, which is crazy because again, they just don't, they don't spend that much money. So I don't know what's in the water down there in Tampa, but th- that, that ownership, that front office, they know what they're doing and, and joke about the stadium and, and all that stuff all you want. They, they know what they're doing. So, I mean, you got to just tip your hat to them because again, they, they, the way they do it is like any other team. And it's not like any other team in baseball.
0: I wonder, though, if like if they start spending, you know, that amount of money, does that possibly throw a monkey wrench into the system that they have? Because and I'm going to use the Yankees as an example, but, you know, based on everything you're saying, like Tampa is leading the way on analytics. It's not like New York is there, too. But they've been known as the franchise that can buy championships. So is there a potential risk to going out and spending all that money on bigger names and it's like it's another variable into your system, which I'm already baffled by how you can do that sort of system anyway, because I can only imagine just how many players there are in this country. Then you go down to like the Latin American countries. Then you go across over to Asia. Like, how do you compile that much data and make it make sense, especially when a lot of these guys, as far as I know, aren't going to be on TV? So that to me is is incredible. But you know, do, is there any risk to the, like adding it and just adding another variable to everything?
1: Oh, for sure. I mean, and, and obviously it's not, it, it's, it's the, it's a different sport. It's a different game, but like we see it every year with the, the Washington, the commanders, the guardians or not the guardians, the football team, whatever you want to call them now. I mean, the how jokes. many years did they? Yeah. How many, um, how many years were they off season, you know, free agent champions. And it's like, just cause you go out and spend the most doesn't always guarantee that you're going to do anything. Um, Probably but the most
0: frustrating thing about my adolescence when it came to sports fandom.
1: Yeah. It's like, okay, I got this Jersey of Bruce Smith and Deion Sanders because we spent a lot of money on them. And then it's like, Oh, okay. They didn't work out because again, they just went there for the money. And yeah, that's going to, I mean, that, that could definitely take a toll. I was more thinking about it. Like when, um, when they, when the rays were it, the rumor that they were interested in Freddie Freeman and it's like, man, if they could get, cause again, they're not going to pay. They're not going to be a team like the Dodgers or the Red Sox or the Yankees where they're going to spend, 350 million in an off season on three different players. Like they would go 200 million on one player, which again is is an insane amount of money, but it, it, it's a guy like that. Who's a veteran leader. Who's a proven guy. Who's one of the most consistent players in baseball, who is not a locker room. He's not a me guy. He's not a locker room cancer. Like he's a guy who just wants to win. And that's when it's like, man, if they can get a guy like that, I think he can mesh well because he has that kind of mentality where he's like, he doesn't care if he's in LA, New York, you know, Texas Baltimore Tampa he's just going to play baseball and again with the with the Yankees it's kind of different we've seen some of those teams not work Randy Johnson's arguably the best pitcher of all time and he does not he did not do well in New York didn't like the bright lights he didn't like you know the can't grow your hair you can't have facial hair stuff like that stuff like that gets to players and it, it makes them mad I mean you know if you're in a work environment and you can't do something that you've you, you've always done you're going to be like what what the heck is this you know this this doesn't make any sense um so I, mean,
0: I to use that same example, I could only imagine how much of a difference Madison Bumgarner's career would have been if he was in New York as opposed to San Francisco.
1: A hundred percent. I mean, there there's so much stuff that he could not get away with, but stuff that he could do in San Francisco that he couldn't do in New York because again, the media is all there, and that's another thing. The media, you know, in New York, Boston, and, and L.A., these, the media is everywhere. And if if you have one bad start, like Randy Johnson's press conference, I think leaving it, he got in a fight with a reporter and like a photographer. He like pushed him, and it's like that doesn't that doesn't happen anywhere else. Um, so yeah, I mean, th- there's definitely a risk of you know you kind of go all out and you sign that big player to a massive deal, and it just doesn't work out. And guess what? Now you're screwed because baseball contracts are guaranteed, so that player is getting it regardless of if he sticks around or not. Um, so and again, that's something that the Rays are very very good at at juggling. Who do we spend money on? It, do, you know? They, and they seem to really 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 believe that they that they really only want to spend money on their guys which again it's not a bad philosophy to have so if
0: i remember correctly this is the first year that the nl is going to be using a designated hitter so are there any teams like off the bat that you could see that having a major impact on both either positive or negative as they kind of make the adjustment to having that as a full-time option
1: i mean the 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 one that jumps off is the dodgers again because they they had the best lineup in baseball last year, and that's with Clayton Kershaw hitting nine, or you know Walker Bueller hitting nine. Now it's like oh they add Freddie Freeman. So again, you can take one of your guys off the bench, Justin Turner, who didn't play them, you know he played last year, but some of these older guys and just plug them right in. And it's like oh so I've always because I've always said I I don't like the pitcher hitting. I think it's I think it's an awful rule. It's like if the AFC could have a punter and the NFC couldn't, and you're playing each other, and it's like this is. This is unfair. This is so unfair. Why are like why are there two sets of rules? Like one team can play a dime package and the other can't. That that doesn't make any sense strategically. The the Eastern
0: Conference in the NBA is allowed to shoot threes, but the Western
1: Conference can kick rocks. The Western Conference is is four feet back or something like that. It's like what? Why? Why? Like we play the same sport. We're in the same league. Um. So I yeah I think a team like that, um, the Padres, because again you got these teams are so loaded that they have guys on the bench who they can't start because there was no room to now with the DH it's like you, I mean, you can have a one through nine, absolutely disgusting lineup. Again, like the Dodgers have. Um, And I mean, you look at it with a team like, you know, right down the street in DC, they signed Nelson Cruz. Like he wouldn't have signed with an NL team. If he, uh, same, probably same thing with Albert Pujols. He probably wouldn't have signed back in Seattle if he had to play first base or, you know, now that he can DH, I mean, that's, that's perfect for them. It's going to extend the careers of a lot of these guys, because again, you go from having 15 te- or 16 teams, um, you know, in, in, um, w- with a DH and the other 16 don't. And then now again, you're, you just created a bunch more jobs and we can see the Nelson cruises and Pujos and these guys careers go on a little bit longer. Miguel Cabrera is another one, you know, and I'm sure that the teams like the Phillies are going to love it in in eight years when Bryce Harper is getting up there in age and he can't really play right field, like he can this year, you could DH him, you know, stuff like that. So I think it's going to, I think it's going to be big for teams. And I think, I think there are going to be people who after a couple of weeks go, why the hell did we even have pitchers hitting? Like they don't want to hit. They don't, they don't care about hitting and they shouldn't. Their job's hard enough as it is. And it's like, they're like, now you mean to tell me we could have had guys hitting 35 home runs for the last 30 years. Like that, that would have been awesome. You know? You know, I, I have to admit that, the answer, I mean, full all on
0: assault with that answer, but I got, I'm genuinely surprised your answer wasn't the Mets because I mean, pitching wise, they seem to, they just can't get it right. And it's no fault of their own. They just, they're, they just seem doomed to have something go wrong.
1: Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's a whole nother story in itself. I mean, they had the great offseason with, you know, where they loaded up with Scherzer and they got a couple other guys and, Obviously, DeGrom is the best pitcher in baseball when he's healthy. And it sucks because the last couple of years he hasn't been. I mean, he was on a historic, a, like, we've never seen numbers that he was doing last year. And, you know, he, he broke down with injuries and same thing already this year. Um, the, I mean, the, the Mets are a very interesting team because, um, yeah, you know, Scherzer and DeGrom, one and two, when healthy, are those are two first ballot Hall of Famers, you know, probably. And yeah, so I mean, that's a big one for them. Again, I know Scherzer is kind of that bulldog where he wants to hit where he says he wants to hit and he wants to, but it's like, you don't, I would not, I would rather have any hitter up there over than Max Scherzer. So yeah, I mean, they're, they're definitely an interesting team. Um, but I just think of a team like the Dodgers who was already so loaded. And then it's like, Oh, okay. Now just drop in another 35 home run guy. Like just add him to that, to the lineup anyways.
0: Well, add him to that. And then also like, you know, it makes managing your bullpen easier because you don't have to, you know, wonder how far is your guy going to go. And then, you know how many uh, pinch hitters are we going to use and and things of that nature. So,
1: that, that's the thing that that always was a, a, a sh- I hated it because again the Orioles are playing the Mets and and you're 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 through seven innings and John Means has a one hitter or something like that and then he comes you know there's guys on second and third with one out and he's up at bat and it's like we need these runs do we pull him do we keep him in like it's it it's stupid like a guy a guys a pitcher's outing should not be cut short because you need a pinch hitter. Like that's just, I don't know. That was always very bizarre to me. Yeah. And
0: people should remember this season that John means is in fact good. So very good. Very th- th- good. this should be another reminder for, uh, for everybody. Uh, how do you feel now? Like there, I think it's like pitchers and catchers or fielders can receive signals for uh, like different plays or different shifts through like a, a wristband or something. Mm-hmm. Where, where are you on that feelings wise?
1: I don't really like it. Um, I think it takes away a lot of the human. I mean, again, pitchers and catchers have such a unique relationship. It's like a quarterback and a center where they're constantly working together. They're the only, you know, they're, they're always in communication somehow. Um, and sign stealing is a part of baseball. It, I mean, from Savage T-ball to, you know, Howard County high school baseball, it, it goes, it goes all it, through all levels. I didn't um, Savage T-ball. Oh, it was the best. It was the best. <laughs> but again, like just, I mean, you know if a guy is stealing your signs like don't be mad at him if he's standing on second he's staring right down at the catcher and you guys are using the same size that you've been using the entire game that that guy may tap his helmet when he sees a curveball is coming they let the batter know change your signs up do something different it's again this is kind of the cat and mouse game um and i so i think again obviously this leads back to what the astros did in 17 and a couple other teams are rumored to have done the stealing signs with the video cameras and the a guy in a mysterious guy in center field waving a shirt when it's a breaking ball, something like that. It's, <laughs> it's, I think, and I forget who said it. Anytime you use something that has batteries to like steal signs, do anything like that, it's, I, I think that is too far. Again, if, if I'm on second base and I can look down and see that a curveball is coming, I'm going to let my guy know, like, hey, watch for the curveball. And if you're not, if you're dumb enough to keep those signs, I don't know what to tell you. Like, you got to switch it up. That's why teams have multiple signs. Um, I don't like the, the, yeah, it's like on the wrist or it's on their hat or something like that. I know college was doing something with that too. Um, I, I don't, I, I don't know. I I'm not a fan of it. I think again, <clears throat> kind of just let teams know how to steal signs and they know how, like it's, it's, it's going to happen. Um, I, I just, I don't like that they took that human element, the the pitch calling, you know, out of the game and, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of it. so.
0: Yeah, I mean, we already have the analytics department. I, I personally agree with you because I, I don't think that we need to create a whole nother job opportunity in the MLB for employing ethical hackers in order to steal signs. However, I will say that the only way that I would become OK with this is that should the ethical hacker go on there and steal the sign, The signal must come from some random drunk dad in center field taking his shirt off.
1: Yeah, that that has to be be the
0: rule. That has to be the rule. I could be okay with
1: that.
0: So I'll get you out of here on this. I mean, clearly we've got a long way to go, but right now, who's in the World Series? Who's going to take home the trophy this year?
1: So I, I put out my predictions this morning on Twitter, and I think I said Blue Jays, Dodgers, and I have Dodgers winning it all. I think they're just they're just too good. Um, I think the Blue Jays are going to be very, very good. They're going to be a, a, a terrifying team to face 19 times a year. Um, thank God that the Orioles moved that wall back because they're going to need it when the Blue Jays come to town. Like, I, I, I think Vlad Jr. wins the uh, MVP. Um, they're just very good. I, I think it's going to be like a, a just a knockdown slugfest in October with the Dodgers. It's going to be a lot of blue, but I, I think the Dodgers beat the Blue Jays in the World Series.
0: Awesome. Well, RDT, thanks once again for hopping on the show. Uh, always appreciate it when you're around and uh, hopefully you can lock in a dozen team to at least stick with for a while. Uh, Cause I know once you have a, a solid home, they're definitely going to want to keep you. So thanks again. And we'll talk with you soon. Yep.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, man.